You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium and Gale. It was Uncle Silk. It's Dan. And Nick. Happy Memorial Day weekend, boys. Beautiful Memorial Day, man. How are y'all feeling? Feeling good. Hey, before we get on the show, I want to thank uh, those that have sacrificed all um, so that we can have freedom in this country uh, and um, the ultimate sacrifice you all gave some, some gave all. So we appreciate uh, and honor all of those that we are celebrating uh, this holiday for. Families as well, too. We talk. I mean, yeah. obviously, we talk about the the soldiers, men and women that go over there. But there, there's families that that uh, you know didn't have brothers, daughters, sons uh, come back home. Right. So think of the families right. as well. Absolutely, uh, Memorial Day weekend. Guys, have a good one so far. I know it's not over. Yeah, I'm all working, working well, for baseball. Man. Working for baseball, but uh, a good weekend before that, and uh, yeah, a lot of baseball news today. Dan, any any discos you go to this weekend? I did not go to any discos. Uh, let's see, what do we do? Went went boating for a bit. Uh, yesterday, which was a beautiful day, uh, almost got caught out in the rain, but Captain Dan uh, came and saved the day on, on some of those three or four foot swells. Uh, so all the jokes uh, that were, were once talked about me are, are over. Um, basically, captaining um, you know some of the toughest seas out there. I feel like nice. I'm, uh, you know, I feel like I deserve some some medals of saving everybody's lives yesterday as we were trying to get back from Beer Can Island. Go ahead. What, 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 fill me in on this. What were the jokes uh, about your captaining? Well, at one one point in time, Corey and myself uh, and a few others had ourselves a little day in the water. Um, and Silk's dad was a, a little bit more <laughs> conservative than, than than we needed to be oh, on the water. So uh, the lie spread. Um, so Nick, it's okay. It, it was all just a fabrication and, and tall tales. Nick, that Nick, that exactly. You know I don't like fabricate. I only tell the truth, Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a wild day. It was a wild day for Dan at sea that day. Um, you ask his his significant other who was out there that day. The the, the tiger got out of the cage a bit. Did you feel like you were on Titanic? No, no, no. If, if the Titanic was a speedboat and not a big big boat, then probably yeah. But uh, overall, it, it was a good time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying like booze on like like our life was at risk like that or anything. Nothing, nothing gets your adrenaline going like fearing for your life on a boat. But he, but or he did a have a officer saying something. Oh yeah, so you we get to uh, uh, Johnny Boats right there in uh, Boyne area, and that's just like the the, the best spot on the on the intercoastal when you want to go get some food. Just a good, elegant vibe. You pull up, it's gonna be jazz music or a live band playing, and, and you gotta wait there. Like you gotta chime things down before you get there. Dan just came in hot, man, blaring music, <laughs> splashing water. There's a sheriff right there. <laughs> just announcing your presence. 
Nick, this was this was this was a long time ago. So um, we've, we've learned, we've gotten better. The signage over there was a little bit uh, was a little bit uh, scarce. Uh, but I don't blame my city, man. Yeah, no, no, no. But how was how was the rest of y'all's boys' weekend? Pretty good. Yeah, I had a great weekend. Um, little business. Uh, we had a, a venue. Somebody used our, our place for uh, a event this past weekend at the Kushaw. So uh, we got to make some money. I got to do some business. I was in Orlando Friday, Saturday. Got back home yesterday, which was Sunday. I uh, just spent time with the kids all day yesterday. Doing the same today. When I get off of here, we're going to go grab some dinner somewhere. Maybe Ben and Hannah's or we can't get in there. We'll go get some Greek food or something. But we'll grab mm-hmm. some dinner. Okay. Nick? We, uh, girlfriend and I went to Embers this weekend. Uh, not, not an ad, not a sponsor, but hit us up because that's the best steakhouse in Gainesville. Wow. Nick, I feel like you had to defend yourself a little bit that it was better than Mark's Prime on the timeline the other day. I don't have to defend. That's just a fact. No. So, I mean, that's just if, if someone wanted to tell me that I was wrong, then they haven't even they either haven't eaten at Embers or they're probably ordering their filet medium well. Um, yeah. Been to both, and uh, Embers is the spot. Um, love going there. It's been a while. Um, I think we went there like right when. Restaurants started opening back up um, after COVID. We went there like first weekend they were back open. Um, and then just hung out with some friends and, on Saturday and uh, watched uh, some SEC baseball. I love it. Nice. Uh, well, let's let's get into the show a little bit, boys. We have a, a, a content-intensive show uh, this week. But before we do that, as always, give a shout-out to our friend, Lee Friedland of the law firm of Friedland and Associates. He's going to help you with auto accidents, medical malpractice, nursing home cases, criminal matters, and personal injury cases in every jurisdiction within the state of Florida. Give him a call, 1-800-95-INJURED or yourfightourbattle.com. Again, 1-800-95-INJURED or yourfightourbattle.com. Nick, you mentioned it a little bit. The Gators go into the SEC tournament, win a couple games right off the bat, end up in the SEC uh, tournament championship fi- or, uh, semifinals, pardon me, lose to Tennessee. But give us an overview of how the week went for the Florida Gators baseball team. Yeah, so in, in some conferences like, um, you know, the Atlantic Sun or some of those, if, the, if you win the conference tournament, then you win the conference. That's not the case. In the SEC, the SEC champion is whoever has the best record in the regular season. Um, and then, you know, you look at a team like Alabama going into the SEC tournament, they were on the bubble. So that really matters to them. You know, when you look at Florida seed 15, um, the SEC tournament didn't matter to Florida at all. I thought maybe if they won the tournament, um, they could be a national seed, one of the top eight. Um, but clearly that wasn't the case. And the committee wasn't putting any kind of emphasis um, on the tournament for, for Florida. So the goal when you get to Hoover, if you're Kevin O'Sullivan, is get your pitching staff ready. And Tommy Mace looked great. Hunter Barker looked great uh, through a complete seven innings with a 10-run rule over Mississippi State. Um, really shut down the number five, uh, a, a really good offense in Mississippi State. And then, um, you know, you start off 3-0, trip up against Tennessee. But at that point, you know, hey, we've already got our pitching set for regionals. Just – get home healthy. And uh, Arkansas has had a little trouble with that. They had two um, pretty big injuries in, in the tournament. So that's something to uh, look forward to at the Fayetteville regional and Florida luckily gets out of 
Hoover uh, without any injuries and uh, get the number 15 seed. So they'll be staying at home. And, uh, Corey, we got to talk to Kev. Might have to get both of you guys up here this weekend because Florida's hosting Miami, um, South Alabama, and South Florida. Dan's hometown team. Okay, I'm a good my time. hometown team is Broward Community College, Nick. Oh, I have a Associate of Arts from Broward, Broward College now. Mm. Yeah, Nick, I seen you tweet about uh, uh, maybe that game, a tournament, what's going on. I'm down to pull up. What, what day What day are we talking about? Saturday? Yeah, so Friday uh, it starts, but Miami is the two seed. So the way it works is the one seed in the tournament, which is Florida, plays the four. Uh, Florida and USF will play at noon Friday. Miami will play South Alabama um, at 5 o'clock on Friday. And then the winners of the Friday games play Saturday night. And the losers of the Friday games play Saturday in the afternoon. So it's not even for sure that Florida and Miami will play. But if you assume that the higher seeds win, then it'll be a, a night game at Florida Ballpark with Florida and Miami. A little rematch from, from the opening weekend. And that'll be Saturday night. Saturday night. Yeah, I might pull up. That, that If that's going down, I'm definitely pulling up. I don't know if Kev's going to pull up, but I already been in Orlando, so it won't be a long drive for me at all. It's it's wild. So, I mean, it's a $65 million stadium. Um, beautiful. They've talked about getting upwards of 10,000 people there. Um, they're finally mm. able to have full capacity, so that sucks for fans who have, you know, it's a short work week. I don't know if you can call out Friday um after getting monday off uh from work for most people so not sure what the crowd will look like at noon on friday i'll be there um but saturday night miami in town uh i'd expect a a pretty live crowd nick break break down a little bit um i I know we talked a little bit about this but just to kind of get a holistic approach of how the sec tournament went for florida you know, Nathan Hickey, Sterling Thompson, Jacob Young were all named to the SEC All-Tournament team. Uh, but give us an, an idea of where you think Florida is heading uh, after their tournament, you know, games against, you know, the SEC opponents uh, into a matchup of these three teams and how does Florida fare against those three? Yeah, so I really question Florida right now when they're playing, you know, the, the elite teams. You know, Kevin O'Sullivan, before they went to Arkansas, said this is the – the kind of team, if we want to get to Omaha and if we want to play and win the last game of the season, this is the kind of team we need to beat talking about Arkansas. And then you get swept. Um, You're able to win. Let me see. Make sure I don't mess this up. You beat Kentucky four to one. Um, Mississippi state's one of those elite teams. They're, they're a national seed. You crush them 13 to one, but they're not really playing for much. They were probably going to be a national seed regardless. Uh, And then Alabama is not very good. You beat them seven to two, but then you play, one of the elite teams in Tennessee, and you get shut out the first time Florida shut out all year. Um, with that being said, I think Florida did rebound well. I think there was a, a players-only meeting after that sweep in Fayetteville to kind of just like, hey, it's you know we're getting to the point of the season where you know in baseball they, there's a saying you know there's always tomorrow because you, know, you play 162 games in Major League Baseball, you're at the point of the season now where there might not be a tomorrow. You know you're going to play some winner go home games. Uh, and I think that I've, I've seen them rally around each other more um, in, in Hoover than I did for most of the season. Uh, and then really big is Franco Aleman, who's kind of been shaky, um, has looked really good his last two starts. And, and Hunter Barco um, has looked phenomenal in probably his last five starts. Um, so that's what 
you're going to need from Florida. You're going to need really strong starting pitching because the bullpen is, is kind of short. There's really three guys, maybe four guys that they're going to use out of the bullpen. So you need um, some strong starts from those three guys, and they look like they're starting to pitch their best, their best, uh, you know, of the whole year. So let's break down, and I know that you probably still have a, a lot of research to do on Miami. Obviously, Florida started off mm-hmm. the year against Miami, but talk to us a little bit about South Alabama, South Florida. Do you expect this to be a Miami-Florida showdown, or just kind of break down that field a bit if you can? Yeah, South Florida's not very good. Um, they get in by way, I think, of winning their conference. Um and South Alabama, I know, has a first rounder in what's his name? Ethan Wilson leads the team in batting, leads the team in home runs, RBIs. Um, a junior outfielder, he is a really good player. That's probably the guy you need. You know, Florida will circle and start the game plan around. Um, I do think it will be a Florida Miami regional. Um, it's baseball; anything can happen. But I think that's kind of how it's going to play out. Um, Miami was hot towards the end of the year. They kind of hit a low in the middle of the season, but they'd won eight of their last 10 um, before losing to Duke and Florida state in the ACC tournament. Um, Duke won their Duke was 20 and 20 at one point and finished 32 and 20. So the blue devils were hot. So no mm. shame in losing to a hot team. Uh, if you're Miami and then obviously they hate losing to Florida state. Um, but Miami's going to come in and, and like, Hey, they've seen all three guys that Florida's going to throw that could potentially throw against them. They've played in the park. Um, they won two out of three, so they're not going to be afraid of playing of playing the Gators. And, and it's a team that won eight of their last ten. Uh, Florida was hot and playing well prior to that Arkansas series. Um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm and I'm really hoping that um, there's a good crowd if Florida and Miami are matched up because uh, I've seen, you know. In the beginning of the year, I think it was capped at like 1,300, 1,500 people, and then it was capped at 3,000 after that. I would love to see seven, 8,000 people. I mean, watching the SEC tournament in Hoover, um, you know, five, six, seven, 8,000 people at games. Um, you watch those Mississippi schools. I don't know if COVID ever hit Mississippi. <laughs> you couldn't tell by watching by watching baseball games. And uh, so, yeah, I'm hoping for a good crowd, and, and, and I love a good rivalry. I love – Florida, Miami. I'm sure there'll be a bunch of Miami fans that make the trip up. Who too. you got in that game? You think we beat Miami? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what Kevin O'Sullivan does. So in the past, you know, when Florida's played, let's say, you know, a JU or someone like that, a Stetson um, in the regional, there's a thought process. Okay, well, do we throw our Friday night guy against the four seed, or do we just assume that we can beat the four seed, throw somebody else, and then throw our ace? assuming it's going to be one versus two in, in the second game. And then in the third game, which could potentially win you the regional, now you've got your Saturday night guy, your second best pitcher. Um, I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll throw Tommy Mace against USF on Friday afternoon and then throw Hunter Barco. Uh, and I think the way Barco has been pitching um, with some of the lefty bats that, that Miami has in their lineup, I think that's a good matchup for Florida. Um it's just tough because Florida's just the only thing they've consistently been this year is inconsistent, and, and that's pitching, hitting. Uh, I think they've found a, a good mix, though. Dan mentioned Nathan Hickey. Um, he looked really good over at third base, really hit the ball well in Hoover. Uh, and Matt Cassetti, who, who replaced him behind the plate, um, much better defensively than Hickey there. So I think Florida's kind of found a good defensive mix, and, and then they've got a good lineup. You're going to need 
your guys, Jacob Young, Hickey, and Fabian to hit. Um, and Miami's got some good pitchers. So that That's to me what I want to see, and I'll ask Kevin O'Sullivan when we talk to him Wednesday, how he handles that pitching rotation. Nick, I want to ask you about Nathan Hickey. He obviously started most of the year at catcher, uh, moves over to third base, wins honors at the tournament at third base. Uh, mm-hmm. Why did Florida play him at third base? How did the, the catcher play? And, and touch us a little bit about that situation. So Hickey is a uh, second-year freshman, but he's draft eligible this year. Um, when he came to Florida last year, they needed a catcher. So he had caught some in high school and in travel ball, but was mainly a, a third baseman shortstop corner infielder. Um, so they kind of asked him to play catcher and he's had to learn on the job. He's not a good defensive catcher. He's going to get drafted this year and he's not going to be asked to play catcher at the next level. So really him catching is just doing it for the team because the team needs him to. Um, and his bat's too good to keep out of the lineup. So um, I think when you look at catchers and, and if you know anything about baseball, you look at like a, a major league baseball team and you're like, why is the catcher hitting 215? That's terrible. The catcher is um, responsible for so much other stuff that they're allowed to hit worse. And then if you look at Hickey, he, I think he caught like 47 of the Gator games this year. I can't imagine that his legs feel good at this point of the season. Um, so when Kevin O'Sullivan comes up to him and says, hey, you're going to play third base this week, he probably just says thank you. Um, and Matt Castetti is a really good defensive catcher. He's a true freshman um, and a player that I think will have a really good career at Florida. Um, might get overpowered a little bit in the box right now hitting, um, but defensively it, it's a big improvement for Florida behind the plate. Um, and, and, yeah, I think Hickey did did well. He's only played third base at maybe two or three times prior to Hoover, um, but made some really good plays over there. Do you expect to see that same lineup yeah. In in the regional? Yeah, yeah. Matt Cassetti gives you uh is is better defensively. And if, if like maybe if Hickey went over to third base and just couldn't field a ball, then you'd have to put Kirby McMullen back there. But they really want to get Chris Armstrong in the lineup. Um, big power hitter from the right side and the left side. Um, so I think it's all about trying to figure out how you get the best lineup with the best defense, because Florida's defense has been the worst in the SEC all year. So you're trying to figure out, well, if we play our best defensive guys, does that make us worse offensively? They've been trying to find that mix, and I think with Hickey at third base, if he plays like he did in Hoover, that's your best mix offensively and defensively, getting Chris Armstrong um, in the lineup as well. Gotcha. Nick, fact or fiction, Florida wins the regional tournament? Fact. Let's go. Send me to Austin, Texas, Dan. You want to come? Yeah, I love Let's me to Austin, I Texas. I don't know if I could believe him because he hyped me up in the beginning of the season. I thought we was like about to win the World Series and all that, man. And um, things took a turn real quick. So I'm going to tread lightly, Nick. Hey, you, someone's got to get these lies off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <usually> my job. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it's usually Silk's job. Um, Nick, want to ask you be, before we move on, uh, there were some rumors uh, that LSU's coach, um, I think, retired. Uh, there's been some rumors that Kevin O'Sullivan uh, is the the name that LSU is going to be targeting, and that there's some potential mutual interest there. I know that you spoke to him after uh, one of the games this past uh, this past weekend, but touch us a little bit about the situation at LSU and what you think Florida's chances uh, might be of of not being able to retain Kevin O'Sullivan. Uh, so, yep. 
so um, Palmineri is a legend down in Miami. Um, and uh, he spent 15 years at LSU. He's a Hall of Famer, a national champion, won the SEC, I think, four times, the SEC tournament six times. Um, he's a legend at LSU, and he followed a legend in Skip Bertman, who is, you know, uh, Skip Bertman is – God at, at LSU in terms of, of in terms of LSU baseball. Um, LSU has a rabid fan base, but I'll go back to 2016. Um, Texas has had four coaches since 1940. In the te- the Texas job opened up, they forced Augie Garrido, another Hall of Famer, forced him to retire. They thought the game had passed him by, and Texas came calling for Sully, and, and he could have gone to the most storied base college baseball program in the country, in the history of college baseball. Um, that's a place where it's monopoly money. They would have thrown whatever at them, the donors for baseball specifically. Um, th- there's no, there's no end to what you can do at Texas. Sully turned them down. Credit Jeremy Foley. Um, that was the last contract he signed before he, he left and, and handed the reins over to Scott Strickland. They ponied up. They told Sully, who was making $650,000 at the time, here's a 10-year extension, uh, $12.5 million, making him the highest-paid coach in the country. And they told him, we're going to build you a stadium. And, and they've done that. So to me, um, I don't know what the benefit of going to LSU is right now for Kevin O'Sullivan. Um, Florida has shown that they will play ball with anybody when it comes mm-hmm. to compensation for your contract and facilities. You just opened a brand new $65 million ballpark. Um, now, some people might not want to hear this. Florida's baseball fan base can't, can't touch LSU's. Um, when I was out in Omaha um, in 2017, when it was Florida LSU, um, I'm sure there's some Gator fans there, but that entire stadium is purple and gold. They love baseball. Um, Florida fans have gotten better in terms of supporting baseball since I started covering the team. But it's it's night and day difference, and and, and yeah. or it's just not there yet. So that's but that's really the only the only advantage I see, and I don't think you leave a place where you can be you already are that guy. You know, like I say, there will never be another Skip Bertman at LSU. Kevin O'Sullivan will be, and if he stays at Florida for the rest of his career, will be Skip Bertman to Florida. Um, he will be, you know. Brian, uh, you know, Nick Saban, he will be, you know, that's, that's what he is. If he stays at Florida, if you go to LSU, um, I think I don't want to call it a lateral move. That'll get, that'll get me, you know, killed next time I go to Baton Rouge. Um, I just don't see the, the advantage. If we're talking back in 2016, before Florida had really put a big financial backing into the program, then yeah, absolutely. But I think Florida has shown Kevin O'Sullivan that, Hey, we will spend, whatever we need to, to make this program, uh, you know, a national competitor. Do you think that there's actual mutual interest or is that uh, some agents jockeying for maybe some extra money or. Yeah, no, I think, you know, kind of like I said with, with Dan Mullen, the NFL, like I'd like to date Jennifer Aniston, but you can't, you know, dating has got to go two ways. Um, I think Kevin O'Sullivan is at a point whenever a job like LSU opens up, his name's going to come up because he's proven to be one of the best five, six coaches in the country. So when is he, like, is he, is he entertaining it though? Um, I don't think so. Okay. I, I, I know Dan, so. Dan, 
Dan didn't really have any <laughs> real interest besides like smoke. His probably his agent was probably throwing out there, but he he was definitely uh, in the vibes of like entertaining it. I would I say, even Dan though he doesn't will, comment, but I think he plays that game. Dan Mullen will entertain the right job, but they were also so they didn't get like their bonuses this year. So like Florida going to a New Year's Six Bowl, he didn't get cut that check because of COVID. That was like I think across the board. Um, and he's what? in <laughs> what what? So like when COVID hit, a bunch of schools like like Tennessee, all of their coaches signed. Uh, something to give money back to the school because the schools the schools were losing money. So in the coaches' contracts, you get like bonuses for winning the SEC, going to Atlanta, being in a New Year's Six Bowl. You get bonuses built into your contract, and they all the coaches said, "Well, we will forfeit the bonuses if we get them because the schools are losing money." And then you now Dan is in what year four of his contract, so he's like I think he has less than four years left on his contract, and that's been a thing you know, uh, negative recruiting that people talk about all the time. Hey, the head coach isn't even on a four-year contract. So, Dan, I think Dan was jockeying or Dan's agent was jockeying for an extension raise more so than there was actual NFL interest. Yeah, but in regards of the pandemic, I wouldn't want to pay back no or not get a bonus. That's just me personally. Even, even if I love this job. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can tell you go find a new job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, so no, I don't. I don't <laughs> think. I don't think. So you left him speechless. So just, just ran off on. Just ran off on a different tangent. I don't think Sully um, will leave. There's also a situation with with his ex-wife. They have two children. Um, his ex-wife lives in Gainesville. They share custody. Um, so you know, and, and listen, you can figure stuff out. If you really, really, really want to leave, you can figure that kind of stuff out. Um, I just think he's he's in a good situation um, and, and that it's probably more smoke coming from Baton Rouge than it is, you know, mutual interest from both parties. So you don't expect that Dan Mullen or uh, Kevin O'Sullivan will be calling Baton Rouge? No, or, or, or Dan Mullen, either one of them. Mm. He may call Dan for dinner or something. You never know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Nick, we're looking forward to seeing what happens. Um, looking forward to seeing. Remind us again, uh, games start on Friday. Florida USF Friday at noon. Okay. Um, and then Miami and South Alabama uh, 5 or 5.30. Florida will be on SEC Network. Miami will be on ACC Network. I don't know why you thought Dan was South Alabama alumni now. You was doing your no. podcast for a minute. No, no, I said USF. I didn't say alumni. I said USF. Is his, he lives in Tampa. Oh. That's his hometown oh, team now. It, yeah. I, oh, I guess. Like Univers- South Alabama for a minute. My bad. I'm playing the University of Tampa as my hometown team. No, that's my old podcast partner is uh, the South. South Alabama. South in your mouth, right? Go Jags. Um, go Jags. All right. So – all right, Nicholas, before we do that, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Roof Soldier. So if you need a new roof, if your roof is leaking or if your insurance company is making you replace your roof, give them a call, one eight seven seven roofs fl Again, that's 877-766-3735. Mention Stadium and Gale. You'll get $1,000 off your roof replacement. So again, roofsoldier.com. One eight seven seven roofs fl. In other news, I know we talked about it a little bit last week. 
Uh, but this is a different national championship that the Gators won in men's tennis. Men's tennis player Sam Rafis, the number six overall seed in the entire singles tournament, won the national championship on Friday, uh, defeating the number two seed Daniel Rodriguez of South Carolina by a score of 3-6-6-1-6-4 to earn just the third singles title in program history. Previously, Mark Merkelin in 1994 and Jeff Morrison and 1999 had won the singles trophy. So congratulations to Sam. Florida Gators men's tennis wins both the team national championship and the 2021 singles national championship. Men's basketball rounded out the end of their staff, boys. Uh, Akeem Miskdean, I believe is how you pronounce it, has joined the staff from FAU. He was a former assistant under Dusty May, who was a coach under Mike White previously. He previously coached at Hampton and Kent State as well. And then when Dusty May was out for uh, for illness for a couple games this past season at FAU, he filled in for two games. So uh, I know that that wasn't necessarily the name that we were expecting. We had Neil Blackman uh, on the show last week that mentioned uh, an assistant coach at Virginia Tech. Uh, he will not be joining, and the staff is a uh, bringing on Akeem Miskdean to the staff um, announced yesterday. Any thoughts? Yeah, I think I think you know Neil and talking to Neil and talking to Eric. Um, you know, there were two guys that were kind of in line and early and early on, and um, and those fell through. It's just wild that it seems to like almost come out of nowhere. The the two hires, you know, there were two guys that were rumored for so long and. And uh, I know that, that they had spoken with Mike White and then kind of out of nowhere, uh, you know, just get two, two hires pop up. It seems like a name pops up on, you know, Thursday and then Friday the, the hires made. Yeah, I, I think the trend is that they're both well-known recruiters. Uh, Akeem Miskdean had uh, the recruiter title, I believe, at Hampton and Kent State or the recruiting coordinator title. Um so I think that that's what they're bringing. But I, I think my biggest question mark is, you know, and again, I don't know enough about basketball to give uh, this opinion, but you know, it's our podcast. So I'm just going to let the, uh, the takes fly is that I'm not sure they're bringing in coaches that are great at, or exceptionally well-known, I guess is probably the better way to put that uh, as coaches, right? I, I don't think that recruiting has ever been a problem at the University of Florida, but I do think the questions have always been on the way that this team is developed and the way that this team is put right. together and the way that they gel uh, and the way that their chemistry is. Florida and Mike White have never had a problem recruiting. It's when they get onto campus, what happens to them? So I'm a little concerned, right. but again, I don't know enough and you know, we'll bring Eric Fawcett on, but Real quick, the guy that Eric said, or, or not Eric, but uh, the guy that Neil said, the X and O guy, did they not hire him? No, no. He said that one was guy gonna, was really good. Yeah, that was going to be um, uh, Webster from Virginia Tech. Also, the other name that was rumored was Cohen from Stanford, um, who's another good kind of X's nose guy. Um, but Cohen has an associate head coach title at Stanford. Um, which is a good program. They're up and coming. They're not up and coming, but a good program. Um, and I, he was not going to get that at Florida. So it's almost like you're taking a step back. 
Um, so I think that's kind of where that fell through, but I think Neil's point still stands. And, and you know, I don't think any of us are, are basketball coaches, but um, Mike White has gotten more and more into the X's nose and, and, and the offense. And, and I think we've seen it take a hit on Florida's defense and the offense. And I think they are looking for, you know, a quote unquote offensive coordinator, someone that, you know, is, is more involved and, and then more involved on game day as well. Did they get yeah. that? I'm saying that you said we got two recruits. Did we get a guy that could change the things offensively? Or are we gonna still have the same uh no identity on offense trying to figure shit out again? Another I, year of that I don't know. All right. So what I read about Akeem McDean is that he was responsible for guard development. And I know that Florida okay. has some questionable play at guard right. uh, over the last few years, especially from a developmental perspective. But again, you know, he's climbed the ladder right a bit you know from Hampton to Kent State to FAU uh, FAU just had uh, some of the best seasons that they've had um, in their history uh, as a basketball program he's young he's African-American I know that he's got a great reputation uh, but again everything that I read about him seems to talk about how good of a recruiter he is uh, but not so much about you know him as a as a developer of of players, and certainly the the talented you know uh, the level of players that he's going to be coaching at a Kent State or an FAU are different than Florida, you know. But hopefully, we'll be able to see uh, some development uh, from him. And then just reading about Christian Webster, who was the coach at Virginia Tech, he may have turned down Florida, or he may have gotten a promotion that they haven't announced yet. Uh, but uh, Virginia Tech Scoop, which is part of the the two four seven network, um, quoted a, an article from I guess Mike Barber from the Richmond Times Dispatch uh, that uh, that that the Virginia Tech Hokies expected uh, Christian Webster to stay with the program uh, and that he's no longer going to be entertaining other additional uh, opportunities. So that might be a a chance that that Florida threw some money or an opportunity mm. at him that he then later turned down. So. Take that as you as you will. Already. Um, let's see. Outside of that, uh, other news in in just in terms of what's going on in sports. Uh, unfortunately, the Gator softball program that, that we've talked about with a, a lot of fanfare this season, their season ended after two losses uh, to Georgia. They were the number four overall seed uh, in the. Um, National tournament for for softball. They were a, a super regional host. They they stormed through their their regional uh, and the super regional. How, however, unfortunately, they lose four to nothing and six to nothing in both of those games. Uh, sad end to their season, uh, but congratulations nonetheless for their successes that they had uh, in a weird season. Obviously, impacted by COVID um, as well. I think I think I was surprised. Um... For them, everybody was surprised. Yeah, especially to lose um, two games in the way they had. They've kind of been like the cardiac kids, you know, with with all their comeback wins um, late in the year. Uh, I definitely did not see them. Um, I didn't. I didn't think they would lose. You know, let alone get swept. And not score a single run, right? They were a team that, you know, they weren't as offensively heavy as they've been in previous years, but but to, to be swept um, and not score a single run is just an unfortunate way to go out. 
um, and hopefully we'll we'll get him back next year. But it was a tough win I, or a, a tough weekend. Pardon me for the SEC. I believe that there was five super regional hosts from the SEC, and all of them lost except for Alabama. Um, so an unfortunate way to end the year, but we'll get him back next year. And with Tim Walton at the helm, I have no doubt that the Gators will be uh, back in the SEC uh, tournament um, lead and. And our SEC lead part of me and hopefully back uh, as a regional and super regional host and in top of the college uh, softball bracket. Well, let's get on to football. But before we do that, give a shout out to our friend Carlton Black with Cardinal Financial. So if you're in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, or Virginia, give him a call. Any type of home loan, conventional loan, FHA loan, VA loan, fixed late loan, uh, one time close. Um, assistance, pardon me, construction closed with one-time loan uh, and down payment assistance. Give him a call, 404-769-5501, carlton.black at cardinalfinancial.com. Again, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia. The schedule is starting to trickle out in terms of time and what networks they're going to be on. So four of the games have already been announced for the Florida football program. September 4th against FAU will be on the SEC network, kicking off the season at 7.30 p.m. Then they'll play September 11th at USF, which will be played at Raymond James Stadium on ABC at 12. They'll play Alabama on September 18th on CBS at that prime 3.30 time slot. And then, of course, October 30th against Georgia in Jacksonville on CBS at 3.30. What do you guys think of starting off the season at that 7.30 time slot? And then what do you guys think about that Alabama game at 3.30? Yeah, I wanted to ask that. So I think that 7.30 opener made sense because you got so many really good games there. Um, you know, I think Alabama, Miami, not that that will be a good game, um, but more marquee matchups, um, at least in name. I think I assumed that. And then, uh, I assumed CBS would pick that, you know, Florida Bama game up. I, I wonder, you know, it's, it's crazy because fans want a night game. Um, me as a beat writer do not want a night game, uh, cause I, I don't get out of the stadium until like two 30, you know, finishing my work and stuff. But I, I saw a lot of people mad that it wasn't a night game. Um, but that 3.30, like you just said, that's the SEC game of the week for CBS. Right. I guess you could – CBS has the option to, you know, doubleheader. I don't, and, I don't, and, I don't like I, their night games, man. I like – I like especially like with Bama. Maybe LSU, those games, yeah, in the fall. It's a little cooler. But let's use the Swamp's advantage at 3.30. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a I'm a much bigger fan, and this might be a hot take. I mean, Nick, I know that you said you like the 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 day games because you're able to get out a little bit more. And Silk, you just mentioned it, but I'll take a three thirty game over a seven thirty game any day. Right. Um, you still have ample opportunity to tailgate. You have ample opportunity if you want to celebrate after, or if you want to be able to go home after. I mean. I'm not sure about you guys, but I'm not made of money. And those weekends of going up with those two night hotel minimums at five, six hundred dollars yeah, a night I mean, per hotel and everything else just, you know, kind of wears on you after a while. So um I like the idea of a three thirty game, get up there, tailgate, you have enough time and but not that I have a, I have a drivable like drive back now. Like I've done it a few times after a game get on the road, it, mostly on L's. I just gotta get out of the city or I just <laughs> blow up a gas station or something, so I leave. 
Uh, but now that I'll be in Orlando, that drive back would be easy for me. I don't. I, I may not stay a single night in Gainesville. You know, I, I plan on going. If I go check out a game, then heading back. So I'm with you. Three thirty is the is the vibe. And plus, I like to to drain teams, man. I think Alabama's gonna come in shape regardless. But I like that three thirty game because it's just hot, and we've been practicing in this muggy weather all off season. Do you think Florida is already preparing for Alabama? Hell yeah, they better be. Yes. Like I don't want to hear this uh, one game at a time shenanigans. They need to be game planning <laughs> right now. That's uh, that, that's the next factor fiction. Yeah, that's right. No, you're exactly no, Nick. I think that they're absolutely preparing for Alabama, and I think that they have to. Um, I don't think that FAU uh, is good at all, and I don't think that USF is good. Um, USF's not the same team that they were even you know five seven years ago. Um, I think that going down to Tampa and playing that game at USF, and I put quote at USF uh, because I think there's going to be more Gators than USF fans uh, there. Um, I don't think that Florida Atlantic is very good. So Florida needs to be able to work out those kinks in those first couple games. But man, if they're not prepared for Alabama, then you know they're going to get their they're going to get their teeth punched in because I know that Alabama team is is ready and raring to go because they're not preparing for Florida. They're just preparing to to win a national championship. So you got to circle that game and you got to bust your butt to get there too. Willie Taggart back in the swamp. Nighttime Willie Taggart in the swamp. Shout, shout out to Willie, Willie Tiger in the FAU, uh, my hometown team. Uh, speaking Ooh. of hometown teams. Yeah, I think we can keep it vanilla those first two weeks. I hope we keep it super vanilla. Um, I, I, that's the plan. And I don't think Bama going to have a, a good idea of what the hell we want to do. And I think we have an advantage that first half to to stay in that game. Just from that, that game planning standpoint, that they have no idea what, what Dan Mullen is going to really roll out for them uh, with Emory zones. We could, could, like, there's what could they study? Yeah, no, no, you're exactly right. Um, USF is bad. Um, they were, I think, one in one in ten last year. I think they only won one game. I think that they've got a brighter future with um, with Jeff Scott, the the former offense coordinator uh, at Clemson as head coach there. But they've got a a pretty bad team, and obviously, we'll break this down uh, a bit closer to the season. Uh, but Florida needs that that you know, to keep their, their eyes on the prize. And then that game's Alabama. Um, I guess with that being said, Athlon sports ranked uh, the top 10 games nationally uh, for 2021. And the Gators have three of them. Uh, the number five game uh, is Florida, Georgia. And the number eight game is Alabama, Florida. And the number 10 game is Florida at LSU. Do you agree uh, that those three games are amongst the top 10 nationally played games this season? I don't know about LSU yet. LSU yeah, yet. Um, I got to see what LSU roll out. We should have beat beat them to sleep last year. It was a weird game, weird night, weird play calling, weird team play, weird shoot throw. A lot of things happened that was weird. But I, I got to see LSU bounce back as a program um, post-Joe Burrow. But those other two games are going to be going to be good games. Two bad rouge for that game, though, and 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 it seems. Speaking of night games, it seems whenever Florida goes to Baton Rouge, that's a night game. It's been an intense rivalry the last like four or five years as well. So tell me if I'm wrong. I thought you know, like Florida, (laughs) Florida, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, Florida, FSU. Those are like hatred rivalries. I always thought. 
Florida LSU was like a mutual respect rivalry until like the Hurricane Matthew shenanigans, where right, you're afraid right, that right, right. you football players are afraid to play football. I'm just like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No one's afraid to play football. No, no, no. I think I, I do think McIlwain was trying to back out of that shit. Like, don't be <laughs> not, not, not that we could keep it a bug. Yeah, yeah. McIlwain was trying to back his way out of that, and, and I wasn't mad at it at the time. I don't think the players were scared of anything, but I do think McIlwain was trying to politic his way out of that game. It all worked out, though. It all worked out. Um, but I think that's when, the, that, at least for me, and, and kind of like looking at both fan bases, it's kind of gotten nasty since then. Yeah, no, I agree, Nick. It's it's been nasty. The games have been close. The games have been tough battles. Uh, you know, Florida gave LSU, you know, their toughest game a couple years ago. Obviously, last season, you know, was a wild game. But I don't think that there's any love lost between these two programs. Uh, you know, you had the goal line stand at that game uh, that Florida won. And ever since then, it's just been been wild. I'm excited to see it though. I, I really like that that cross divisional rivalry. I don't love that we have to play a good team every year. Um, while some teams get to kind of skate through, like Alabama gets to play Tennessee every year in their cross divisional. But I am excited that it's it's a game that I look forward to every year. I look forward to it. Uh, besides Georgia, it's probably the game that I look uh, forward to most. You know, followed by FSU uh, third. What about yeah. this year? Because I, I mean, like, I, I, think, I think I, I think realistically we go two and one there. Um, no, the fan, the fanatic in me by the time fall kicks off will say three and zero. Oh. I think <laughs> we go two and one there. Are you ready to call your L? Is it going to be Alabama? Or are you just you think? No, that no, we... no, I don't do that. Mm, okay. being that's, oh, that's right. right. I, I, there's no other clauses. There's no yeah, L's on the on the schedule when Silk looks at it. No, not once the games get get ready to get played, then every, everything's a win until until a loss happens. I'm a fan, man. I'm not a journalist. You know, I'm a fan at heart, bro. That's, a good, that's, a, good way to, that's a good way to live life. I'm going to call you uh, Pinocchio or Peter Pan, some kind of fictional character, <laughs> a weekend of Alabama when, when you predict that W. I don't know if I'm predicting what it's out of play. We'll see, man. I like where we stand at. I, like, I think we got uh, disadvantages for us. That. There's really no disadvantage in playing Bama, but I do think we got some playmakers to score from afar. Uh, and do some explosive things, and they don't have any game film on, on Dan Mullen or what he wants to do with Emory Jones. So I think yeah. the first half we can make it interesting, and we'll see if we can hang. Defense tackle play is going to be key. If them boys is, is is what they say they is, you know, um, I think we're going to see a different defense. Starts up front. Yeah, it's interesting that you said that, Selk. I was talking to somebody close to the program the other the other day, and they're very, very, very excited about this defensive tackle uh, group. The uh, the couple For transfers sure. that have come in, and I don't know if you guys have any thoughts uh, on them, but you know have really come in and, and and made some impact. And I know that there's a lot of folks that are really excited about them. And we had a former staff member reach out to us on uh, on Twitter a DM that said that he thinks that Donovan McMillan is going to be the uh, the best uh, potential DB or safety that um, has joined the class this year. And in fact, uh, in fact, pardon me, uh, he thinks that he might even grow to a linebacker. So there's some excitement uh, for some of these young guys. But I know I just brought up two very separate points there. So defensive tackles uh, and Donovan McMillan. So I'll let you guys talk amongst yourselves about either of those two topics. I like him knowing that, and I think he's a guy that can play in a number of spots. So, hmm, who are you talking, Daniel? Um, McMillan, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we we talked about it before. He's a coach's kid on campus early. Everything lines up for, for I mean, the 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 opportunity to play is gonna be there. Everything's lining up for him to get on the field and make some things happen. Um, I like him. I think it's just gonna be interesting where they put all these guys. I think Dewan Black is gonna throw throw some things in the mix. We got a transfer DB that just came in. A lot of capable guys. The DB room just got more competitive. So I just want to see how it all plays out. They like to get guys that are tweeners. They can play more than one position. So um, I just want to see how it all play out. Who plays the star? Who plays safety? You know? I think yeah. sure. who, you, who, who do you have at star right now, both of you guys? Any idea? Well, I got Trevez and Dean at safety. Um, you, got, you got Trevez over Torrance? Yeah, yeah. See, I got I got Torrance over Trevez right now. Same. No, I got Trevez there. Trevez, but Trevez is a guy that I, I <laughs> could also play it off like nah. Yeah, no. He's like two one or whatever. Completely dismissed both of you. It's two one or whatever. Real nonchalantly was just like, okay, well, you guys are idiots. Okay, moving I like, on. I like Trevez. I like Trevez at the star. <laughs> I, I like. I don't like him. I don't know if I got him starting at the start with guys like I said with guys like the one black coming on campus, and um, the transfer also is a guy I think can play at the, at the nickel star, whatever they want to call it. Um, but I do like Trevez in the star. Not I like him at safety as well. But right now I have Torrance ahead of him at safety. Yeah, but that nickel spot is that nickel spot's not like that nickel spot's not black and white. Like if it's third and three, you're putting you know Amari Bernie right. there. Um, nah, please, it, I hope not. <laughs> you're putting a linebacker there and, and you know if you if it's third and 13 you're putting a db there it's it's like a position that that isn't just one person is going to be playing there you know unless it's chauncey who i think might be the last person we've seen play it really really well right yeah and you have kamar wilcoxon is a guy that i know that they um right right have been putting at the star position as well mm-hmm. so i think Kamar has so, a lot of stars like I think position. Trevez is the better safe starting safety option right now. But if you're trying to get, you know, the best 11, maybe, you know, he could be the best star and then you figure out, all right, well, who's the next best safety option. But I think, like you said, Dewan Black's a guy that can probably play that star I am, spot. I am big on Dewan Black. Pause. I don't know if that was weird. <laughs> I'm, big, I'm, big, I'm big on Dewan Black, man. I think Dewan Black is going to be one of those guys that make a, a, a Big impact this fall and be in, in a lot of t- TV hosts and analyst mouths and whatnot. I think the one black is going to do some big things, man. I don't know if it's a safety star linebacker or where they got him at, but he's just a guy. He got that work ethic. Um, he, he got that agility, speed, everything you need from just flat out playmakers. So I don't know where they're going to put him. I have no idea if he if they. But if he's a star and that's what they got in mind, then pencil him as a, as the starter at star. Wherever he, wherever he's playing, at. linebacker, star, or or safety, he's gonna shake something up. Is that a first time like immediate pause of yourself? Oh no, he's done it all the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty consistent. Yeah. Okay. Quick, <laughs> I'm just quick, checking. Quick draw. Yeah, he usually with pauses himself. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's yeah. only like my fourth show. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, you keep up. <laughs> <laughs> pause. Um. So. Let's get into a uh, a new segment of our show. Um, I wanted to call it Fact or Fiction, but Nick said he wanted to do Buy or Sell. I said I wanted to do Diamond Hands or Paper Hands, but we're going to stick with Buy or Sell. So uh, we have five different questions. Um, 
Silk, we'll start with you because you're the first person that um, added it into the uh, to the chat. Uh, Dan Mullen is buy or sell. Dan Mullen is the third best coach in the SEC. Agree. Uh, they got Nick Saban at one, uh, Jimbo Fisher at two. Both got both those guys have a national championship. Um, Jimbo just just put on a clinic to Dan last year. Uh, we should have won that game. We were just out coached. To be honest with you, so um, yeah, I think that's the, the right pick in order, right above uh, your man Kirby. Yeah, and, and that's 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 really where the conversation has to start. Do you have a natty? And, and then if you don't, right. then you can't be ahead of one of those two guys who does. Um, I would I would say he's a better coach than Kirby if you're talking X's nose on game day. Um, I bet Dan would love to have Kirby as his recruiting coordinator. Um, but in terms just, just, of just factor, factor in both who you got, like, uh, if you got you just got weighing all of it together because Kirby is a great defensive mind. Uh, yeah, so weigh all, all the X yeah. and O standpoint of recruiting and, and everything. And you, you think it's, I think I, it's I, really so, close. I, I think it's close just because Kirby's shown to be so much of a better recruiter than Dan. Um, but Nick, let me ask he you can't, a question. He, he, can't, he can't manage rosters. I think Dan Mullen does a great job managing the roster in, yeah. in, the, in the locker room. Yes. Nick, let me ask let me ask you something. Ed Orgeron has a national title and he's below both Nick Saban yeah. and Fisher. <laughs> Back Kirby myself Smart and Dan Mullen. Yeah, what are your yeah, thoughts now, Nicholas? Bootaga. So based on your logic, then you have to sell because he doesn't have a national championship. There you go. I sell. All right. Very good. I sell. We start with Natties. Yeah, you start yeah. with Natties and Nick oh, backed oh, himself hey. into a corner. <laughs> I sure did. That was Man, you said smart. You're in the corner of uh, that's a bad corner. That's <laughs> a bad corner to be in. I'm, yeah, on, yeah, I'm yeah. on the ropes. The referees I, looking at me like, "You sure you want to still be here?" And I'm. Thinking, I just I want know. the world to know that know. Nick Delatore thinks that Ed Orgeron is a better coach than Dan Mullen. I just I'm got gonna, big brained by Dan yeah, real yeah, bad I, there. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that that Paul, Dan that's Mullen a pause. is. The, I, I I'm gonna buy that Dan Mullen is the third best. He might even be higher coach, but I don't buy – so I'm going to sell that he's the third best leader of a team in the SEC. How is Silk the only person that gave a legitimate answer to the question? I backed myself into a corner. So, no, I'm going to sell. And sold. No, no, wrong. I just – I said I'm going to sell. I would wrong. buy that if the question was who's the best game day caller that Dan Mullen is in the top three, maybe even the top two behind Nick Saban, but I'm going to sell overall because I don't, I think that his recruiting and his administrative capabilities uh, have him lower than Kirby smart. I do got to, well, nah, Kirby's just lost. If you, if you you piss the bed on that many five-star quarterbacks, I just can't have you ahead of Dan Mullen, who took a two-star and you see the rest is history. I just think Dan Mullen overall, you look at the draft, Mm-hmm. What he's doing, what he's got, roster management. He's just ahead of Kirby. Kirby's behind. And quietly, we, we're having a quiet offseason, which is rare with Dan Muller. Yeah, I will say this. I was talking to somebody the other day. Uh, arrests, offseason noise, everything else has really quiet. gone way down under Dan Mullen, which is obviously what you want to. I didn't want to say anything. I've been thinking this for the last couple of months. Like, boy, it's been, it's been greatly quiet this offseason. Knock on wood, man. So shout out to the staff and the players for just keeping their nose to the grind and staying out of trouble. I can't believe you guys would even jinx it like that. Ain't no jinx, man. When you live in righteous, uh, Nick, everything just works out well for you, brother. (laughs) You think they're all living righteous? You got to speak it into existence. Yes, sir. Yeah. 
When's Bible study? Pastor as, righteous, as righteous as a, a, a teenage football player on University of Florida campus can be. Right, so we're not doing any credit card. We're not doing any credit card scandals. We're not. We're, we're not, not arresting. No yeah, yeah, yeah. No tape bang. No. Uh, <laughs> no pots and pans. No, yeah, no, none BB of that, guns, man. airsoft guns. <laughs> Oh, no more, uh, no more. West Coast is watching. We do not have any of that. West Coast oh. is minding business. <laughs> oh, that was a wild. That was a wild off season. Uh, let's see. Um, buy or sell. Emory Jones is a Heisman Trophy candidate. That's a big sell. Okay. I mean, I mean, you've we've seen you've seen guys. I mean, like. So I, I think the only people that saw like Cam Newton being a Heisman were Florida fans. Like he went to Auburn and like nobody knew who's this kid from Blinn College that that you know he was at Florida for you know a year. I think Florida fans are probably the only people that weren't surprised when you know Cam Newton hoisted the Heisman Trophy. Um, Joe Burrow seemingly came out of nowhere, so it can happen. Um, I just don't, I just don't see it. Again, we talked about it on a couple shows ago about. Um, I think I forget it was pro maybe pro football focus had like Emory Jones drafted sixth. I was like, all right, mm-hmm. well then they probably think he's a Heisman candidate because that's kind of, you know, year he would have to have to, to go sixth overall. I just don't see it right now. Um, you know, there's just too many unknowns. We don't know what the offense is going to look like. Um, it, you know, what is the offensive line? I mean, you lost your two best offensive line linemen on a bad offensive line. So, like, is the offensive line going to be better this year, or is he going to be running for his life? Is he going to be, you know, running around 10 yards in the backfield two seconds after the snap trying not to get tackled? Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't uh, know. Go ahead. So, Yeah, I just think uh, you got to have these. I got to see some intangibles from Emory before I throw him in a in a Heisman race. I think a lot of these guys that, that end up being in a Heisman race have a lot of intangibles and a lot of magic. Um, Kyle Trash putting ball in weird spots, um, just doing a lot of crazy things with ball placement, accuracy. Uh, I just got to see the intangibles from Emory. I think Dan Mullen will make his quarterback productive. He, uh, Emory's been in the system a few years. He knows what Emory's good at. So I think he'll have good to, to I don't know, great numbers, but he'll have good numbers. You got to be on a winning team, the, too, especially if you're a quarterback. Correct. You need some magic. You gotta be. You gotta be making things happen and having some intangibles to uh, be in that consideration, man. So we'll see. But I don't think so. I'm selling it right now. I gotta see it. I'm going to uh, buy, and the reason I buy is because I think that he has brand recognition. I think he has name recognition. Um, I think that he has some uh, ability to to really create those game breaking plays that you need to, uh, to be able to be a Heisman trophy candidate. I don't think that he's going to be, uh, put up the, the most numbers or the highest numbers, but I think they'll put up some electrifying numbers. Uh, I think that Dan Mullen has coached him. He was handpicked. I think that he's developed him. Uh, so I'm going to buy uh, that Emory Jones, uh, could be in the Heisman trophy conversation. I think that he, um, right now I'm, I'm going to say that he sits right outside of my top 10. Uh, but I think that he has the ability to work himself in, uh, to a top 10 in the Heisman trophy race, which is what I believe. Uh, is, I think is he has the ability. I just don't know. I got to see it for him to be in a, the Heisman race. Isn't really 10 guys really. No, sure. Yeah, so I, I got to see, I believe he has the talent to do it. And he has damn sure had the quarterback coach to, to, to put him in position to do it. But right now, just me, I don't have enough. Like, I don't have no spring game highlights. 
I've seen him make plays, but not like for me to be feeling like he's about to be in some Heisman talk. Uh, talk to me after after uh, the Georgia game. I mean, after the Bama game. Then we'll see what's up. Yes, sir. I will make sure that I talk to you after that game. Um, let's might be see. Together. Uh, buy, yeah, buy or sell. Uh, the Gators are going to end up with a top 10 recruiting class. I'm buying that, man. I'm buying, I'm buying Florida recruiting right now. So, yeah, I, I'm buying Nick Evers on the trail, letting his nuts hang quite a bit, man. Um, we in Texas. Uh, we grabbed the recruit this past week. We talked about that in a little bit, but uh, we're getting yep. fast, yep. too. Yep. We're not just grabbing guys. Uh, they got an objective of being one of the fastest teams in the country. Dan Mullen is hitting on guys that are running 10, 500 meters or better. Um, so I'm buying for the recruiting right now with Nick Evers being the man in charge. We talk about that a lot, right? Like the quarterback's got to be that guy. He's got to be like the point guard of the recruiting class. You got to bring people in with you. I think, you know, like Will Greer did that. I think, you know, you, you see guys do that. And um, it's a big week for Florida with, you know, with the barbecue going on and, uh, I think Evers is yes, in sir. town already. Um, it, it's I can't imagine like this week is huge for Florida recruiting, but it's kind of weird. Like normally you wouldn't want all of these officials so early, but like you've had a how long has this dead period been going on? Like more than a year. Um, so I think it's I think it's smart by by the by the staff to be like, okay, let's get everyone on campus at the same time, get them all together, get them all talking. And then, hey, maybe you start getting some of that. Hey, let's play together. Let, let's look look at all the talent we have here. If we all commit, what what do you think we can do at a school if we're all playing together? And uh, you probably lead that with Evers on campus. No, that's really good, Nick. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that Florida ends up with a top ten recruiting class. I think we've talked about this extensively on our show. I don't think that Florida's ever gonna be the most elite recruiting program under Dan Mullen, but I think that Florida finishes somewhere around uh, seven, eight, or nine uh, this season, and I think they're starting to really get into their stride. They have a big weekend uh, coming up, and we're gonna talk a little bit more about that. That's why we haven't talked about recruiting yet because I want to break down all of that collectively together. But I think that Florida ends up with a top 10 recruiting class. I'm going to buy that. So stay tuned uh, next I, week. Yeah. Go I didn't say buy ourselves. So I buy. Okay. So we got three buys on uh, Florida being a top 10 recruiting uh, class at the end of this recruiting cycle, which leads us to Florida grabbing a commitment uh, out of Texas. Speaking of Nick Evers, uh, Julian Humphrey, a six foot one, 185 pound, uh, four star uh, cornerback, um, has committed to the Gators. He said that his relationship coach, as well as his relationship with Nick Evers, the quarterback commit helped solidify that for the university of Florida. He's the Gators, I believe sixth commitment for that class of 2022. He picked Florida over Texas A&M who he absolutely bodied during his commitment video, Penn state, and then a number of other top five programs. Uh, I know that he's going to make his official visit to the University of Florida on June 11th. He was a back-to-back first-team all-district, uh, and he's a track guy uh, that ran, I believe, a 10-5 or a 10-6 100-yard dash or 100-meter dash, pardon me, um, but really a, a, a guy with a lot of skill. So, um, Silk, uh, Nick, what are your thoughts on Julian Humphrey, uh, the sixth commitment for this Florida Gators recruiting class? Well, Silk said it. Just get fast. Um, mm-hmm. I, I loved when when Urban came to Florida and said, "We're going to be." It, it, you you take like one look at the state of Florida and like, hey, you might have to go out of state to get quarterbacks, um, but you don't need to go out of state 
to find speed, to find DBs, to find receivers, to find running backs, safeties. Um, just be the fastest team and figure it out from there because um, you can't teach speed. Yeah, I'm on with the same thing, man. I don't know what they're putting in the water in Texas, man, but I'm hunting me times. I'm a track guy, so I follow all these times. Every time they post these times, they are ridiculous, man. The last guy in the, in the heat ran like a 10-5, 10-6. That was so nuts. nuts, man. Yeah, let's let's camp out in Texas. Uh, I thought we was gonna maybe lose some traction with Brian Johnson leaving the squad. He had some Texas ties, but with Nick Evers and, and I guess Kyle Trask assessed that we got to weigh that in a little bit. But we're camping out in Texas and we're getting some studs, man. Um, DB I think is a down year in the state, mm-hmm. so to be able to grab a kid like this that Texas A and M and the big dogs wanted, I think it's real good, real good get by the staff. You gotta give them their kudos, man. Uh, they're not leaking a lot of information out there, so we're not getting any. Oh, this kid about the pop and all that stuff, but they they getting the work done and things are starting to heat up. Uh, these kids are sight unseen as well. Mm-hmm. No, Silk, you're exactly right. And and Julian Humphrey, just because a lot of recruiting has been a, a little bit behind the scenes, you're not getting the same amount of visits and everything else. Julian Humphrey is a big name. Um, you know, on Rivals, they have him ranked as the 55th uh, overall player in the country, uh, the eighth best cornerback in the country. So it's a great player, a guy that that kind of came out of nowhere uh, to to you know the the average fan that may not have been paying attention. Uh, but he's fast, he's rangy, he's got good size. Uh, I think that he's uh, you know a solid player. I think that he's going to come in and make a big impact. You know, we we've talked about you know where Florida's defensive back room is. You know, right now. Um, well, where there's some question marks at cornerback. Um, I think a lot of those question marks over the next few few years are, are going to get answered with the addition of a guy like Julian Humphrey and a guy like uh, Jadarius Perkins, who committed last week from uh, Missouri, uh, adding that to Jason Marshall, uh, your Jake, our, uh, your um, Jordan Young, et cetera. I think that that DB, uh, cornerback room is starting to solidify itself a bit more. Absolutely, but we should be. This is, these are the kids we should be getting every single year. Um, top two, four, seven type talent, uh, top one hundred type talents. That this DBU, this reputation, and um, just big kids that can run fast. Everything else kind of works his way out, man. Um, he, the kid has great film, by the way. We keep talking about track, but he has great film. Come up and tackle. Uh, you know, great makeup speed. Everything you want to see in the DB size, uh, he has it, man. Um, yeah, good, good get. Surprise get. I wouldn't expect that at all. Right. Do we think it sticks? Does the commitment stick? It's early. I don't see why not. You know, I think, um, yeah, I don't see why not. I don't think we have a problem. We, we've had a problem with flips. Mm-hmm. We've had a problem getting them. <laughs> but I don't think we've had a real big problem with, like, uh, the players that we go out and get, the big dogs, them flipping. And we've had Georgia and Bama come out of guys that we've had committed. Um, so yeah, I think it sticks. Same. With that being said, June 4th, we've talked about it for the last couple months. Uh, the Gators will be bringing on a slew of prospects over the next couple of weeks. It's going to start, like I said, with June 4th. This weekend, coming to town, uh, we'll break this down based on uh, where they're at in their process. Uh, three commitments are coming to town this weekend. Uh, defensive end commit Francois Knowlton, uh, who's been committed to the class the longest. Um, this is going to be um, his first time uh, to meet with the coaching staff. <laughs> 
Um, he's also going to visit Florida State uh, on Tuesday. Um, C.J. Hawkins is going to be uh, coming and meeting with the uh, coaching staff as well. Uh, his parents are an alumni uh, of the University of Florida, so I would imagine that he's been to campus before, uh, but this is going to be his first visit, uh, visiting as a uh, prospect. And then we've mentioned him before, quarterback commit Nick Evers is going to be uh, joining that group as well. Joining the targeted list uh, is going to be running, ba running backs, pardon me, Terrence Gibbs and Damari uh, Alston, uh, who are going to be coming to town. Receivers, uh, CJ Smith, Sam Mbake, who I know Connor uh, covered heavily uh, at his seven on seven. And we talked about him at the, um, at the last facts only conversation we had. Isaiah Horton and Jaden Gibson will be coming to town. Any thoughts on any of those uh, guys that we just mentioned guys uh from a recruiting standpoint i mean i think we got looking at our commit list man you look at it, a lot of athletic guys with a lot of high upside uh like the hawkins kid um remember I'm forgetting that the offensive tackle that we got as a basketball player as well Livingston, i'm thinking uh yep we, just got, we got guys with a lot of upside so uh, a lot of those rankings are going to change but you just want the physical freaks that could do things that that, that the average kid can't do. So I, I like all of our commits. It's not anything on there. I think, one, we're going to end up shedding re real soon here. But I like the quality of kids we got on our commit list. And having them on campus to be able to recruit is going to be good this weekend, man. No, this week. It's not even a weekend thing. It's starting to heat up, man. June's going to be fun. Excited to see visits again. It was a boring summer last year. Uh, Quayshon Sapp, who's an offensive lineman, uh, is announcing his decision in July, but he will be uh, on campus. Uh, Florida's competing against Florida State uh, for his commitment. I know that the Gators are really excited about bringing, uh, bringing pardon me, uh, Jaden Gibson into town, the wide receiver that we just mentioned. Uh, he's a Florida legacy. Um, Miami is recruiting him very hardly, or pardon me, very hard as well. Uh, but I know that Florida likes the position they sit in uh, with Jaden Gibson. On defense, uh, EJ Lightsley is coming to town, Jaquise Alexander, Nick Cole, Devin Moore, a lot of big names, and then a lot of folks from the 2023 class uh, as well will be there. So just imagine over the next few weeks, not only will we have a facts-only discussion to break down Florida's recruiting, uh, but you have a lot of big names that are uh, going to be coming onto campus, and I would imagine a couple names will start to pop here soon. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Let's give our friend Brunt, a, uh, Greg Brunt, a, uh, a shout-out, and let's get to some Gator news of the week. And then I've got one final question, and we'll take us out. Definitely. Shout out to the best of the best when it comes to insurance, the great folks at Brun Insurance and Financial Services. If you need any insurance from home, auto, renters insurance, life insurance, or any financial uh, services, be sure to hit them up at bruninsurance.com or 954-589-2204. Big coverage, big policies. Greg, what up? Let's see. In Gator News of the Week, not a ton. Alyssa Bauman and Megan Skaggs have announced they will be returning for their fifth year uh, on the University of Florida Gymnastics Program. So both huge gets uh, to return. Florida will be stacked again in gymnastics and will be making their run at a national championship again. Um, 
In terms of women's basketball, uh, incoming freshman Jariah Warren was tabbed as the Gatorade Player of the Year, the Max Preps Player of the Year in the state of Louisiana's Miss Basketball by the Louisiana Sports Writers Association. So big get for Cameron Neubauer and the Florida Gators women's basketball program. So congratulations to Jariah Warren. Men's golf uh, has wrapped up after going 40 over uh, during the first three rounds of the NCAA tournament finals. However, Ricky Castillo is right now tied for 16th and will be continuing on as an individual contributor in rounds four and five. So best of luck to Ricky Castillo and congratulations to the men's golf team that made it to the finals of the NCAA golf tournament. And finally, a name that you probably haven't heard uh, for a while, but it's still hooping it up, is national championship uh, basketball player Walter Hodge was just named as the most valuable player uh, of the Basketball Africa League. This is their first season. Actually, one of their investors is former uh, Florida Gator legend Joakim Noah. So his team, Zamalak, won the first ever uh, Basketball Africa League championship, 76-63. to 63. Walter Hodge had 12 points, uh, also had a rebound, and will be not only the first MVP of the Basketball Africa League, but also a champion as well. So congratulations to Walter Hodge. All right, guys, final question of the show. Before we get to Manscaped, everybody's favorite ad read. We got this question from Twitter. <laughs> Obviously, we know all of the big names that everybody's looking forward to on offense and defense uh, in football this season. But what player are you most excited about that the fan base isn't really talking about? Nick, we'll start with you, bud. Ooh, that they aren't talking about. We'll I'll start go, with offense. Start with offense. Uh, well, no one's talking about that Bowman guy, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> On offense, I'll go with um, – I mean, we've talked about him, but I don't think he's the, the first name. You know, when you talk about receivers, it's Shorter, Copeland, um, Xavier. So, I'll go with Trent Whittemore. Um, oh, jeez, Louise. Well, you know, it's my gym rat. Um, yeah, thief. <laughs> uh, I, I just think he's so versatile. You can put him inside. You can put him outside. Um, and and he's, he's just crazy athletic. Um, I, I think he's a guy that – especially early on in the season, you don't have a lot of film on him. He's not going to be someone you game plan for. And we talked about Dan's uh, ability with X's and O's, probably understanding that, knowing that, and a guy that you could probably see if he stays healthy, start the year off, you know, hot. So what about you, bud? I'm going to go with Zipperer, man. Keon Zipperer. I think uh, he's a guy that you could put in the slot tight end, maybe put his hand in their H back tight road, uh, just be a, a release valve for my man Emery, a little safety safety pocket there. But I think he has a quietly good year. The tight end role is going to be a little wide open, and a lot of people not talking about him, but uh, he had a good year last year as well. He made some plays. So give me give me Keon Zipper. Yeah, I like I like all of those picks, especially because Trent Whittemore was going to be mine. Uh, so for sake of conversation, <laughs> yeah, you've been I'm hyping Trent like a month straight, bro. Like every week you come on here and say nobody's talking about him. I know, and then I have the one opportunity to hype him up a little bit more, and Nick just steals it from right under me. Um, so I like that that pick of Keon Zipper too. Um, so I'm gonna go. Um, you know what? This is for Vari. Nobody's talking about him because he's been here for six years. I'm gonna go with Rick Wells. I think that this is his year that he steps up um, and, and has a has a solid 
contribution for the University of Florida. The credibility of Man, the podcast is just plummeting. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to rebuild my brand in Jacksonville. It's taken some hits recently. <laughs> I don't think it's going to help, man. You're better off cheering for like uh, Nathan Hickey and uh, and Colby Halter, some 904 guys who uh, I've seen Vari in my mentions after baseball games recently. I could see that. No, uh, you know what? There's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people that are going to be able to um, have opportunities to play uh, this season at wide receiver. So that's probably not a good pick for me. I probably could have picked like an offensive lineman, but last year I picked Stuart Reese to be the most valuable player on offense, and that didn't go very well. Um, so I, I think the reason Rick Wells might stand out is because he's a bit more of a uh, he's been a blocker, obviously for for quite some time. Um, he's not going to be the flashiest guy, um, and maybe just maybe all of that time spent with Emory Jones on the second team will will pay off for him. So. That's my justification there. It took me about a minute and a half in my head to figure it out, but but that's my justification. Okay. How about defense? Um, I'm going to go with Kamar Wilcoxon. I think um, getting on campus early last year um, and, and getting the experience, even though he didn't play a ton, but just getting the experience of traveling and getting into the environments and seeing the speed of the game um, will really help him. So I, I'm going to go with him. Because I think he's a guy, again, you know, uh, like I said about Trent, um, a guy that can play in a bunch of different roles. And the more roles you can play, the more packages you're in, the more packages you're in, the more opportunity you have on the field. No, I was surprised to see uh, Ventra Miller name just on so many uh, NFL scouts, big boards for next year, like draft. Like he's, he's top two, three, four, five on a lot of important people boards. So, um, like, give me Ventrell. I think Ventrell puts it all together. I think he's a guy that possibly could have jumped this past year. He, he started making some plays and linebacker. It was his down position this year. I thought he could have probably jumped and, and, and got drafted. So I think he puts it all together and makes himself a lot of money and, and, and do what he got to do to be the anchor on the backside of that defense, man. Um, give me Ventrell. I like that. And then I'm going to go with Rashard Torrance. Uh, and the biggest reason is, is because I think a lot of people have penciled in trading and Trevez Johnson, but I think Rashard Torrance was probably the, the best safety uh, new safety that Florida had last year. And um, I think that he's going to earn himself a starting spot. And I think that he's going to be a guy that's a, a multi-year starter at the university of Florida. So I'm going to go with Rashard Torrance there. Okay. With all this, uh, Daniel McMill, I think we got a lot of possibilities at safety. And I know, mm-hmm. I know English, no English is gone, but, uh, you think some weird way we started the safety rotation again? I shouldn't speak on that either. Speak that into existence. Um, so, so, so I'll say this, um, Ron English came on our show and said that safety rotation was the way the defense is played. So, um, Ron English, friend of the program. Right, it was Ron English, friend of the program. I don't think that he was a friend of the program towards the end, but we caught him uh, last off season when everybody was just dying to talk football. Um, but he said that you know that the transition was built in uh, to Todd Grantham's defense. Uh, I don't know if I'd buy that, but you know, so I would imagine you're going to see some rotation um, until some players get solidified back there. Bro, we got the runaround from that. Ron told us. That the players suggested it. The players said that he Man, suggested the players, it. I'm pretty sure the players suggest like no curfew. Like what are we talking about? 
Imagine being a guy that doesn't play very much, suggesting that he play more. You know what I mean? Like, obviously. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, you guys think it's a good idea? And I don't think no starters is like, yeah, uh, take some reps from me, bro. I don't really want to go pro or nothing. Coach, I saw uh, I was fourth on the depth chart. I really think we should have a more balanced rotation that sees me really getting lovely. at least 25 snaps a game. It's like Harlem's team, man. Like, everybody yeah, I was just going to say. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like what are we doing here? Harlem's like I'm not I'm not excited about the amount of reps I'm getting at running back. I would like to play <laughs> running back. And coach is like, all right, you got it. No, I think he. The thing about it is he's eight and he does make suggestions to the coach. Like he's already told me as soon as he gets to the game tomorrow, he's gonna tell the coach he needs to be rushing the whole game. Like, yeah, <laughs> <He's> bro. A- <laughs> You're just letting him live. All right, you should tell the coach. Nah, that. yeah, man. I'm not. I'm not going to tell him anything. If he got it on his spirit, go ahead and do it, bro. Like his learning experience at that football is gonna be his, man. So. Let him go tell the coach that. Coach, tell him what's up. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I, I. What do you think, Suck? You think you see a lot of rotation at uh, at safety again? Yeah, I think until like I said, until somebody proves themselves, I think it's unproven. I think uh, Dean's spot won't be rotated if he do what he got to do because I, I know they, you know, they like upperclassmen. He's an upper class guy. He started turning on last year at the end of the season. So if Dean is still on his game, he can solidify his spot just from seniority, knowing the calls and doing what he got to do. But if he started getting barbecued back there, yeah, you just got young, capable bodies that that's ready to make plays, man. And um, I think these fresh, new DB coaches don't feel like uh, any loyalty or they got to play. Uh, I'm at my mom's house, so it, it's probably acting up over here. But uh, I want to give Coach Jewel some love, man. I think we've yeah. uh, talked about that hire. He's landed some transfers. He landed the kid out of Texas. They they that kid bigged him up in his article. Trying to give trying to give Jules Jordan. Trying to give Jules Jordan his props and, and you cut out. Yeah, I don't know what's up, bro. Yeah, Hello, there you go. yeah we got you now. Why don't we just go uh straight into a, a manscaped ad read and hey, we'll just if I can get through it. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the great folks at Manscaped.com, man. It's summertime. It's officially summer, man. Memorial Day weekend. The heat is out. The heat is real. Be sure to visit Manscaped.com to get your 20% off and buy that ball deodorant, man, because it is real out here. I messed around and stepped outside without it earlier then. Just make a quick little walk and brisk around the neighborhood. And then I got back to the car. I was like, back to the house. I was like, let me jump in the car and make a run to Publix and go ahead and do what I got to do real quick before I get relaxed and do this uh, State Miguel. Whew. Man, by the time I finished that walk out of my car, uh, the AC didn't even cool me off because the Publix is so short. I get the Publix, get out of the car, man. Sweat's dripping down my leg. <clears throat> Big ball perspiration. You know, no ball deodorant. Things got a little milky and a little, 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 little salty. So I had to run back to the crib, man, and get fresh. Uh, everything's shaved and clean, though. Shout out to the great folks that's making a lawnmower 4.0. No, no snacks, no cut, no abrasions. Dan, Nick, you boys try that thing for the, in the shower yet? Nick, you're a new guy to Manscaped. How you liking it? You feeling it? Feeling it. Feeling it. You uh, feeling I don't know it. if I, I don't know if I've taken. I don't feel like I've taken as many rides as you. Is your mustache still there? <laughs> I got uh, no, mustache right. and eyebrows. Is only hair on my body right now, my brother. All right, tune in next week to see if the eyebrows are still here. I was thinking about not doing armpits, but then I was like, yeah, it looks a little egregious when I wear my, my tank tops and it got like, like I got Don King in the headlock. So let me go ahead and trim him up as well. So uh, eyebrows, mustache, only hair. Shout out to the great folks at manscaped.com. 
coupon code SG at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Yep. Yep. All right, Nick, I think you have the song of the week, my friend. I do. I got a question, though. It's a. Yep. Um, so, when is. I started listening to. It's a song that was, I think, came out in like 2016. Is that mm. not. Yeah. Like, is that not old enough to be listening to now? Like, am I, I'm in a weird spot with it. No, you can definitely play song. We, we've had oldies featured on this here show. Well, right. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it, I'm, I'm in a weird spot. It's not an oldie, it's definitely right. not new. Right. Well, I say you uh, just pick the song, and then we'll let you know what our thoughts are. All right, we're gonna go with Blue Notes from Meek Mill. Mm. Oh, that's a, that's a nice little jingle there, Nicholas. <laughs> but you, nice you know what I'm saying? Stuff? Like it, it's not like it's not like I'm calling out like some like old DMX. Um, rest in peace. It's like there's a new DMX album out here, by the way. Yeah, it was good. Anyway, Meek Mill, Blue Notes. That's a jam. Already. Same quarter, same time next week? Bet. Already. See you guys next week? Yeah. Man. Same quarter, same time, man. With new and upgraded internet. I'll be home. <laughs> Already. See you guys. This is my blues Cause I'm back down on my own again This is the blues I'm playing Yes, it's a fine old thing When the night is cold and low Was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them pipes and I made it a habit. Towing them pistols and serving them addicts. That was exciting to me. I'm so excited to be. Started with nothing, we had to inspire to be. Niggas they fly to me. I'm getting to it. Feel like the man. I got the plan. I call the shooters, they out with the van. Play with the squad, get piled like a sand. Piled like a perk. I'm going here. I'm going crazy on niggas. Too waving for niggas. Do magic like I look a sand. I'm in the kitchen, compressing the bird. Take out a nine and I sell it for 30. The straight to the jeweler, busting the rally. The light of the city, let me GR3. I got the plug, he sent him a T. Don't know these niggas, these niggas know me. Even though niggas, they call me OG. Y'all nigga, but I put it down. We was on it when it went round. All of a sudden, niggas wanna come around. Stay over there, my J. Do me one favor. Take a few steps back. back down on my own again. And look at yourself. Matter of fact, take yourself outside your body and then look at yourself. And see how you playing yourself, nigga. This is the blues I'm playing. Congratulations. It's the motherfucking chase. Yes, it's a final you feel me? thing. When the night we on is it. cold and lonely. Yeah, you the plug. Try to be real with some niggas and put on my money and show us some love. 
You did me a favor, I knew you was shy, I knew you would show you was It's only a matter of time for niggas get lying and hit with them slugs Get found in the pool of your blood Yeah, nigga Remember they told me that we'll fail Remember they said it we'll see a cell That what that to me like Cam Newton I'm in the field like the NFL Niggas is sick and I wish them well I made a wish and a wish and well I put a brick in a wish and well Been through some shit and I'm sick of jail No disease but I'm sick of cells Sick of tired of sending niggas mail Calling niggas just to get a bell I just seen a nigga get a L Never coming home, minute on the phone Sick of tired of seeing niggas fail Sick of tired of seeing niggas lose Sending like we trying to get to hell Cause I'm back down on my own again This is the blues I'm playing Yes, it's a fine old thing When the night is cold and lonely This is the midnight blue.